My big brother was Hey guys, it's Brian, editor-in-chief of goodpeople.com and host of The Brotherly Podcast, where we interview creative entrepreneurs in travel, design, style, and living. And this week, we have a really cool entrepreneur by the name of Luke George and his story I really wanted to share with you guys. Now, Luke has a really unique clothing line and movement, and I wanted to share not only his story on the pod this week, but what the business is and how he looks at the changing world of fashion and clothing brands. Now Luke has a brand called New Creations and the name was inspired around Second Chances which I thought was pretty cool especially at a time when cancer culture is so prevalent. So even if you're not a big fashion person this episode still talks about Luke's stories, his up and downs, moments of perseverance. He's jumped around a lot and he's experienced many different worlds that got us to his story here today. He talked to us about moving to Atlanta to his mom managing his IG account, which I thought was pretty interesting, um, his dad driving a Ferrari, and also the new generation of leaders keeping a window open to the next generation of leaders, and us really being the guys that we'd like to be, that we wish we had coming up. We also talk about moments of truth. Also guys, if you haven't got a chance to head over to goodpeople.com with, with two E's, we have some really, really cool content up there this week. Uh, if you haven't already, we just put up the city guide to Abidjan and Ivory Coast. For those who will be visiting this Christmas coming up, check out our city guide there. You can download, see all the really great restaurants and spots that they have, some of the art and cultural centers and gatherings. Uh, we also got to catch up with an architect out of Casablanca, Morocco, where he goes over African design. He tells uh, the audience about Africa's place in the future of design. So that was a pretty cool uh, story that we have there. So yeah, guys, uh, without further ado, thanks for uh, checking in with us. And if you can, share, like. We don't really have too much marketing, and it's really word of mouth. So you guys have been tuning in, and it's been really organic, and you're sharing it with somebody you trust, so we appreciate that. All right, guys, so without further ado, uh, here's my interview with Luke. My big brother was... I heard, like, your... Uh I clicked on the link and it took me to the SoundCloud thing about like brother thing. Yeah. And it was like, uh, I'm just trying to have a talk with people who treat me like talk to me like a brother. Yeah. 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 And I was like, oh, that's what's up. Like, I'm even trying to come even more now. Oh, like, because that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's something like that I've been looking for as well. Like when I started like doing this, I've started to try and like find a culture to create a culture for people to kind of just come together and be family. Like, I don't know, because it's just really hard to find now. Especially in L.A. Especially in L.A. Like, Especially when I came LA. out here, because that's kind of like... So, I've been back out here since January of the beginning of this year. I lived in Atlanta for, like, three and a half years. And I went to college out there after never being in school. Like, I dropped out of fourth grade. And no education, no nothing. Like, so... um and then I moved out there, which I guess I can explain, like, how I got out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, <clears throat> so I'm 25, originally from Paris, California. But, I mean, I've lived everywhere, traveled everywhere, back and forth. My family is kind of from all over. But growing up, we grew up in Paris. And, I mean, things were great. Like, my family was chill. Everything was cool. 
And then uh, my family, like my parents split up. I was like eight years old. And then from there, we moved to Gary, Indiana, which is like, I mean, we were kind of talking about it on the way up here. And it's it's just not a great area, like not a place you want to raise a family. Home of the Jackson 5, though. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) And I started working with my grandfather. And I mean, from there, you know, everything when you're not in school, everything just goes off there. Like it's already it's already something else. So we started partying and drinking at a young age, like doing whatever you wanted to do. Really no rules, no curfews and stuff like that. And uh, I mean, I had a geez, I had my cousin's ID since I was 14. Like I was 23, 24 at 14. And we party in Chicago like we'd never waited in lines like it was whatever we wanted to do. We were partying at like the biggest clubs at like 15, 16. So for me, like that was that was life like work and party. Like that's all I knew growing up. Like, you know, like you're a young man and and you think that's what it's about. Money. And you and said partying. this was at 14. Or you said this at 14. Yeah, I was like 14, 15. Damn. And uh, I'd roll out with my cousin and we would go to like spy bar, sound bar. And we listen to like deep house. And we just party all night. And uh, and my mom, like, my mom was doing her thing. You know, my sisters were doing theirs. And we were just everywhere at the time. It was a really, like, rough season of my life. And Bob learned a lot from it, you know, definitely learned a lot. But, and then, uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep it real. Like, my mom got into some trouble. I was 17. And... My mom got into some trouble, which put us all into, like, some trouble. And they tried to put me in foster care at 17, me and my little sister. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm paying bills. Like, I'm working. Like, you can't put me in no foster care. So I moved in full time with my grandfather out in California, which was it was hard. We had to face some court things and stuff like that. But I moved in full time with them, and I just turned 18. And then uh, from there, I lived out here, worked with my dad on and off. And then at 19, I really started to just go off. Like, my life just started to go downhill. And you think, like, at 19, like, your youth is just starting. But, like, for me, I've lived a lot of it. You know what I mean? I lived through it. I've traveled. I've partied. I've done a lot of it. And so I got caught up. I went to jail uh, March 4th. No. March 6, 2014. And so I went in for underage DUI. And I'm literally like, it was a Thursday night. And I went in for underage DUI. Damn, so you're like, you're like what the fuck am I doing here? Yes, exactly. Pretty much. <laughs> like, I'm in there. I'm like, oh, like, are you serious? A Thursday night, too. I'm literally just hanging out, chilling. Like, I'm not doing anything. Old ass men. Yeah, bro. <laughs> they were fighting over the toilet paper roll in there, trying to sleep on the toilet. So they were some regulars in there. <laughs> so were, were you? But so you were drunk entering into the cell. Yes, yes. Okay. Out here, um, but I mean, you know that moment that you get pulled over, you sobered up like real quick. Yeah, you're like, oh heck no, like, like no, this no, no, it's happening. I'm right good, now. I'm good. Dude, pull me over. Are you drinking? I'm like, no, officer. Like I'm good, knowing that I'm I'm freaking gone. And he's like. No, no, like, uh, I smell, I smell it on you. I'm like, oh, I just had someone in the car. They were drunk. And he's like, I smell it all over you. I'm like, oh, well, uh, I may have tasted a beer. 
<laughs> and he's like, get out of the car. <laughs> I got out. This dude breathalyzed me. I was, I guess I was so drunk. I thought they were taking me home because he asked me where I lived. So I told him my address and they were going toward my house. I'm like, oh, great. Like, but my dad's going to kill me. Like, cause I'm living with my dad at the time. And I'm like, oh, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. And I showed up at the police station and they tested my blood. And I'm like, oh, I'm screwed. Like, I was like, I'm done. Like, they, they're going off on me right now. So when I was in there, I'm just, like, contemplating everything. Like, only a few hours, but you feel like you're in there. Like, I can't even imagine these dudes doing, like, years. So I'm literally only in there for eight hours. So, like, when people ask me, you ever go to jail? I was like, yeah, I did eight. <laughs> I'm like, eight hours? <laughs> but, um... <laughs> I got out the next morning, dude, and uh, so, like, my family, uh, like, our, like, faith background is Christianity, so when I got out, I literally threw my hands up, and I said, uh, like, Jesus, forgive me, and, like, just cleanse me, like, I quit, like, get me right, whatever it is, I'm in, and... So, up to that point, had you been, in terms of your drinking, was it a problem, it was a problem for you? Oh, yeah, 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 I'm, like, drinking... Like four or five times a week, I get home okay. from work, go have a few drinks. So, um, it was a problem, but I'm still handling my own. You know, I'm still going to work. I'm still doing my stuff. It didn't. It didn't really take control of my life, um, to that extent. But I think like an alcoholic isn't an alcoholic isn't someone I think who wakes up and just drinks. But I think it's someone that it takes place of everything else. Like, you're addicted when it takes control of, I'd rather have a drink than hang out with my friends by myself. Like, I'd rather drink by myself than be around anyone else. And it started to get to that point. And so I was like, I'm done. I quit. I quit drinking. Uh, I'm literally, like, out there crying. And I'm in skinny jeans and, like, a Burberry shirt and, like, these dress shoes. And I'm like... I'm out here crying, and these guys are coming out full of tattoos, like getting released from jail. Their baby mama's so were picking ski- them up. Damn, were you? Were you? But when you okay, so when you got in jail, you were were you too drunk to be s- properly scared, or were you like you were sober still? You were like, bro, I jail. was just, I was just like, I didn't know what to do. Like, I'm just done. Like, I felt like an animal. Like, yeah. I'm looking out this glass door, and I'm like, dang, you done? Like, yeah. you just done? Like, you're not gonna get out? I'm knocking on the window. I'm like, yo, don't I get a phone call? <laughs> and they're like, no, nah, you don't get no call. Like, you're drunk. Like, you don't you don't get no Take phone call. <laughs> yeah, they were all telling me, like, the dudes in the cell, they were like, yo, just sleep it off. Like, when you wake up, it'll be over. And I'm like, no, nah, like, this changes my life, bro. You don't understand. And they're like, oh, no, this is my third one. I'm like, bro, you, you're done. Like, <laughs> so... Uh, I went home and I kind of just like tried to get my life together, like changed a lot of things in my life, called up some family members. And um, when I all went down, my grandfather passed away like a few months before all that stuff. He passed away in May and I wrote it out for a year like crazy. And then it was March when I went to jail. And then um, I called up my cousin who was a youth pastor out in Jersey and I called him up. His name is Ricky. And I called him and I was like, Rick, like, I gave my life to Jesus. Like, what do I do? 
And he kind of told me just kind of like read my word and stuff like that. And I didn't even really know how to like read properly. So I'm like, oh, whatever. So I read some stuff and um, I mean, fast forward. He told me like if I really wanted more of it, this is what I could do. He told me about a college in Atlanta, Atlanta Leadership College. Uh, dope place. Really changed my life. So what did you what did you learn at that at that college? So when I got it, uh, I didn't even want to go like I was like, there's no way I'm going to go move away from my family. Like in my culture, you don't move out until you're married. You start a family. And um, like at that age, you know, like at 2021, 20, you kind of need to get your stuff together. Like you should be grown up like in my culture already. And um, so when I went there, um, so I applied, I applied in July and uh, I got accepted in August. And the night I got accepted, we partied down like me and my boys, we partied and uh, they're yelling in the bar. This man's going to be a youth pastor. Let's take a shot. I'm like, no, no, no. Chill, <laughs> chill, chill, chill. That's crazy. <laughs> Appropriate celebration. Yeah, man. right. <laughs> so, so um, I flew out there in September, literally wrote it out for a year, and I hated it. So kind of like the first year program is like really discipleship based, kind of get your, get your roots, get in a relationship with the Lord, and kind of like learn about um, – like the Bible talks about losing yourself in order to find it. And like when we hear that, it's really wild. It's like, what? But you're never really your own in the beginning. And I think we all have to come to like the root of creation in order to find out like what it's about, who we are, and to find ourselves. And that's what I did for nine months. Um, and then I discovered like my passion. Okay, so you got to take us through those, th- those nine months where you were – coming into your passion and yeah definitely you lost yourself and you found yourself because i do agree with that like you know i also believe like your character is not your character in isolation your character is your character in comparison to how you're treating other people mm. and people around you True. so talk about that man talk about those nine months and what the hell were you doing to where you were you know like what was happening <laughs> where you were finding yourself seriously because everybody has something that's a different story yeah no that's real you know? like uh for me it was really being in a way being away from like everything that i knew family uh for me is huge and so i'm around people that i've never met never knew living under a roof with people that like you know like in my culture we don't really like hang out with a lot like we don't hang out with like americans a lot it's just kind of like your circle and uh so i stepped out of that a lot which has brought me so far like if it wasn't for that, like, I probably wouldn't be chilling with you guys here right now because people think I'm crazy. Like, oh, you hang out with these random people. I'm like, no, nah, like, they're still family. Yeah. Like, regardless, you know what I mean, of skin color, of culture, of where you're from, we're all still family. And uh, for me, like, I learned a lot of that through my nine months there. Um, man, like, serving people was huge for me. Like, uh, taking care of people, like just people in need, like youth, youth was a big thing for me. Cause I knew if like, my goal is to always be like who I needed when I was 15, 16, 17, uh, not saying that I have it together. Cause like, I don't at all, but if someone knew kind of the things that I knew now would talk to me then, you know, I don't know if I would have listened, 
but it definitely would have checked me. You know what I mean? It definitely puts you in check, like in those moments. Um, I've just the biggest thing, man, was serving. And I hated feeling obligated to do something for people that I didn't know. I was like, nah, bump that. Like, I don't know you, so therefore I don't owe you anything. Right, yep. And that's something that I've learned. Like, no, I don't owe people anything. However, like, it's an honor to serve. Like, I get to do those things. I don't have to. And it's crazy because all these sayings, like, I hated during that nine months of my, like, like the program. I hated it. And now it's stuff that I use every day. And uh, that's, like, from that nine months, what I took into, like, my life now, into the art that I use now is for every piece of clothing that I sell or every piece that, like, we sell to someone, we provide a meal for someone living in the streets. So, like, if I sell a hoodie or a tee, whatever it is, um, if it's a bracelet that I've made, like, we're going out and we're buying someone a meal, like, that lives in the streets because our goal is to keep it in the streets and keep the streets moving and kind of, like, keep people healthy living in the streets. And that's what I've learned, like, the art of serving. Um, and then I wasn't going back for a second year, and uh, I've applied was when I started um, making clothes. So I went to a thrift store because, like, all my friends were into thrifting. and So real quick, so what made you do that, though? So what made you – had you always went? No, that's not, like, something – I mean, I've always been into clothes, always been into sneakers, stuff like that growing up. But um, so it was May of 2016. May 2016. And we went to a thrift store. So I wanted a Yeezy season sweater. And I'm like, bro, I'm not paying 700 bucks for this. I'm in college. Your boy is broke. And uh, there's no way I'm hitting up anyone in my family to buy me this $700 sweater. So uh, we went to a thrift store, bro. We went, through a, we went to a Goodwill. And I found a cream sweater. It was like a double X. And I was like, that's clean. And uh, I was like, you know what? I got an idea. Like, I'm about to buy this. I bought it for a dollar. I brought it home. I turned it inside out, and I distressed it. So, like, all the stitching was frayed. Like, everything was raised up on the shoulders. And I wore it to an event that night, and this dude was like, yo, how did you get that? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, that's a, that's a easy season, right? I'm like, no. Like, I just made this. And he's like, bro, like, I'll give you 200 bucks for that. I was like, nah, man, like, it's mine. And I still have it to this day. Actually, my girl has it in her closet, and she wears it, like, as an oversized. So you had never, be prior to that, you had never done never anything. anything. I've drawn, like, growing up, I've always drawn, like, done graffiti. Like, as a kid, like, we would run around the neighborhood and tag stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, we would steal my grandfather's car. <laughs> he, had a new, he had a New Yorker. Like badass a, kids, man. Y'all some badass bro, kids. He had like an 87 New Yorker. It was uh, baby blue with baby blue suede on the inside and wood grain. <laughs> we, would, we would literally jump in this car. I had a, a checkered Dickies backpack full of spray paint, and I still have the backpack in my room. It's full of paint. And we would jump in the car. He would go to sleep. I grabbed the keys out of his study. Grab the keys, jump in the New Yorker, and I pick up my homies, uh, this dude, Alex, this other dude, 
uh, his name was Grumper, and this like a few of these dudes, and this di- this kid Mickey, still one of my great friends, all of them. So there, uh, Alex is married with a kid, and he's he lives like down the street from where my studio is now. And then the other one's married, Grumper. He's married. He lives up the street from my studio. So it's where my studio is is where I grew up, in the same. On the property that I grew up, my aunt's property. That must be good for, like, inspiration, too, huh? It's dope because, like, all my toys used to be in the shed, like, as a kid. And now my sewing machine's in there. Now, like... That's dope. Now I'm making clothes where my toys used to be at as a kid. But, um, yeah, so, like, you know, I've had a, a background of art. Like, I've loved to draw, like art fairs and stuff like that growing up when I was in school for the little bit of time. Uh, always like I was in art fairs and stuff like that. But, you know, when you get older, that stuff kind of like it kind of like trickles out if you ain't getting paid for it. And that's what I was like. To me, it was always just like, you know, just kind of like a little hobby. So I, I've like sketched, but it was nothing. But after that, man, like I made that sweater. And something just came inside of me. Like, I was like, yo, this feels good. Like, I'm wearing something that I just made. And no one has this. No one around me is wearing exactly what I'm wearing. And I I felt like I stood out. You know what I mean? I just felt like I was different. And um, no one had that piece. Which then led me to bleaching stuff. Um, I started, like, dipping shirts in bleach. I dipped a wolf tea in bleach, a wolf and Indian tea in bleach, and it got like uh, it came out like a bunch of different colors, and um, I wore that to an event, and someone offered me sixty bucks and a pair of Roshis, and I was like, "No, nah, I'm good. Like, I'm not selling anything." So I still have that tea as well, but for me, it was um, it was just making something out of nothing, man, which really like. And then putting it out into the world. Yeah, and letting people see, like, yo, I worked on this. Like, yeah. And you don't have this. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's always, like, a cool feeling, though, too, especially, like, when there's something that you've thought about in your brain, and then you put it together and you see it. Like, just that in itself, I know, for me, just seeing that in itself is cool, you know, because it's like, this came out of nothing, really, you know? And then for your shit, like, to do it and then put it out and then to get paid for it is, like, that must be nuts. Which I'm still trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still trying to get yeah. paid for it. But yeah. Agree. And that's when I so the name came uh Blessings Not Pleasure. Okay. And I was like, uh, that's all right. Like B and P, like, yeah, that's cool, whatever. So I was just bleaching a bunch of stuff and then uh I was like, yo, I need a logo. Mm. Like, if I'm going to do this, I need a logo. Like, my whole mindset was like, oh, I'm going to build this big brand and all this stuff. Like, my mind was everywhere at the time. So, the logo is an OX smiley face. Um, At the time, it was XO smiley face, which was like, you're dead to yourself, alive in Christ, so be happy. Which means, like, dead to the things that so, like, try and take control of you. Like, I'm dead to, like, me trying, like clout versus currency like we were over there like you know i need to be dead to clout like i cannot continue to chase this stuff that isn't going to do anything for me but i need to be fully alive in the person that created me so i'm gonna be happy about it yeah that's dope bro <laughs> that's dope and um that's dope. 
so I started literally putting that on everything. Like started bleaching it on everything. The first shirt that I sold uh, was to a homie that I grew up with named Nick. And I haven't talked to him in probably like two, three years now. But he bought one of the first tees I did. Uh, I heart New York tee. And I just bleach splattered it and distressed it with my logo. And he bought it for, I think it was like 45 bucks. And I'm like, oh, crap. Like, I can make some money off this. Like, all right, let's try it. And uh, from there, like, I I went back to the program. That was the second year, 2016 into 17. Trained, started making more clothes. Got hooked up with one of my homies, Zach Cox. Great friend who lives out in Alabama. I invited him to come on as my partner at the end of 26, like, uh, May 2016. I was like, I need some help. Like, let's see where we can go with this. And then uh, during that year, I bleached flannels. Like, uh, a lady would come in and bring in, like, youth pastors from around the world and would train them, who I interned with. And her name is Jeannie Mayo. Shout out, like, one of the greatest leaders that I've known. Um, She's, I'm not going to say her age, but she's up there. She's old not old if she listened to this but (laughs) she's older but man she is um incredible and she's taught me a lot of stuff and uh i would cook for like a non-profit that she has called the cadre and her son actually runs one out here it's called red eye um which is in watts every saturday um they host like an event for at the community center the Dream Center for, like, kids in the whole community. They're dead center of Watson. They just, like, provide meals, hang out with kids and stuff like that. So, but I cooked there. So, on my way home, I got home one night. I had a flannel. And I literally poked a hole in a water bottle and put bleach in it. And I drew an XO on the back of this flannel. And I wore it the next day. And uh, everyone was like, oh, that's fire, like, oh, where'd you get that, blah, 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 blah. I was like, yo, I made this. And they were like, no way, like, we want it. I bought the flannel for a dollar, and I was flipping them for, like, 25 to 50 bucks. So this is my gas money. This is my sneaker money. This is my clothes money. I'm I'm buying sneakers, like, every other week, and people are like, oh, you're in college. You're wasting your money on shoes, like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, like, I'm making money so I can support my habit. Like this is this is what I love to do, so I'm gonna keep it in. I'm gonna give people dope stuff while I buy dope stuff. Like that was just my logic at the time. I'm like, that's what I'm gonna do. So, um, made made the flannels, and then I brought him on as a partner at the end of May 2016, and it was really cool. Like we did a lot of stuff. We did some dope stuff. We launched a project called No Longer Scumbags, and uh, with the coordinates of where. Uh, which is Calvary in Jerusalem, like where um, the coordinates was where Jesus died. So uh, like at that place, we no longer became scumbags. Like all the things that you consider to me to be a scumbag for, it doesn't matter because it's not true. So we launched that. That went cool. We shot and we shot the project in a house in Alabama. Uh, The dude used to be Donald Trump's attorney. So he had like jackets from Elton John, like, and I didn't get to be there. So he, uh, he put the whole shoot together, which was really well, which birthed a lot of great relationships from that. And from there, um, 
we were cool, but it was really hard, man, for us to do business while I'm in California and he's in Alabama. It was really tough. He's my great friend. I was literally just texting him before I walked in here. And uh, we decided to, you know, it'd be better if we didn't, like, uh, stay as partners because friendships and business, it doesn't always work unless, you know, you're, you are those people. Like, it works. But it wasn't working for us, but we're still good friends, and he supports. He still buys, like, every one of my drops, and we're still really good friends. But uh, we got invited to do uh, Fashion Week out in Mobile, and... But I had nothing like we had no time. I didn't know how to sew at the time. This is 2017. I didn't know how to sew. I didn't know how to do anything. I'm literally pulling vintage pieces and recreating them. And I'm like, from there, we were like, all right, you know, this is there's something here. Like, it's something. And um, from there, the, the brand became New Creation, which was taking old things and bringing them to life. Which is, uh, you know, a scripture, Second Corinthians 5.17 talks about, you know, anything found in Christ is a new creation. So, like, that is just kind of came, like, the base of my brand, which all of our stuff, like, we try not to pull any new textiles because, like, the w- market is freaking flooded right now, bro. Like, I think it's like 2 billion pounds of textiles are, like, damaging the earth every year. Like, they're just being thrown away every year. And most of them can't be burned because of, like, the dyes and the materials and stuff like that. So things that have been deemed as, like, invaluable, like people that no longer wanted that tea and threw it out, I'm going to find it and bring purpose back to it and bring some value back to it. So all our jeans, like, the goal is to take, like, Hamlet Lang from, like, 2000 and nine and with a Levi from 85 and merge them together because pieces that were never meant to be fabrics that were never meant to meet like make a marriage and it's beautiful like in reality us three like we were never meant to meet yeah that's true that's true I always think about that I don't even cut you off but I always think like I always feel like everything I operate like everything is connected to me and that your your part of your purpose through life is to find those connections and find out why we're connected. Like, do you know? Do you know? Oh, you probably don't know the Jamaican artist named Chronix, right? I was watching something on him like two weeks ago, and he was smoking and stuff. And he was saying when he's smoking with his with his friends, they're trying to figure out when they're smoking. They're trying to figure out what the purpose of them being friends is, like why they met each other. That's some deep shit, right? Oh like, yeah, it's wild. <laughs> But that's dope, though. It's like no, yeah, it's real. It's like you got to think like, yo, why did I meet Ruth? Like, why? I mean, Ruth, I talked to you, and I met. Well, I met Shanice first, and then was invited to that, and then met you. And it's like I do feel like everything's connected. You just got to find. That's part of your purpose is finding those connections. That shit is real, man. That shit is true. I think in every like facet in life, you know. So just add into what you're saying, man. No, and that's so true, man. Like I agree a hundred percent, and that's that's for me. Like I. I don't try and take, like, any opportunity for granted when I meet people. Like, I want to know, like, what you're about, who you are, and not what you do. Like, I'm not concerned about what you do at that moment. I want to know who you are. Like, so many people now ask me, like, hey, what do you do? Yeah, that's everywhere. I'm like... That's everywhere, man. Bro, what do you... Like, what do you care about what I do? You don't even know who the heck I am. 
how did that become part of like the discourse for us though? Not, I mean, not us specifically, no, but yeah, just yeah. like you get in the Uber or you go to a bar, or you you meet somebody at a conference, and it's just like, well, that that last one makes sense, but you know what I mean, like no, yeah, people, yeah, it's just like you're at what a restaurant, do do? whatever. It's like, what do you just like? How did we even start? How did you? How's that the starting point? But that's crazy because that's all in how people will gauge you, and it's like that's I don't think that's right, because I'm I'm with you. It's like who are you? That's always my. I never ask people what they do when I meet them. Like I never ask people that unless yeah, they tell yeah. me. Because it almost, it does matter if you wanted to make it matter if you're, if it's part of your story. You want to tell me that, but sometimes people don't even want to tell you that, and they want to tell you like, "Yo, I actually volunteer for this." Yeah, no, you know, I I'm agree. a coach for my daughter's. This like, the fact that I work at this bank has no bearings in my life. Agree, whatsoever. agree. But then there's some people like you who are, you know, you're the founder, creative, new create uh, of new creation. So you. Y- your life is your work, and it's intertwined, and it's it probably I'm not even sure if it feels like work for you at this point, but no, I agree, man. I do agree, and I I think like for me personally, like what I believe, like where that came about, is honestly Instagram, man. Like social media, um, I love Instagram. Like without Instagram, I wouldn't be, you know, kind of where I am. Not that I my following sucks like i'm horrible at instagram like my my social media skills are garbage but like nobody teaches that stuff though you gotta learn i mean yes yeah, no it's true it's hard you gotta learn and it's, it it's just like it's just a chance and like for me like nowadays why i think that's so huge bro is because i don't think it's what you know anymore but who you know but more importantly who knows you yeah so it's like, who knows you for what you do? Yep. And it's no longer like, bro, I could be the most talented. Like, I can be the most talented artist in the world. But if no one knows who I am, that junk doesn't matter, like, to anyone else but me. And, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think it's huge. Like, so many people want to know what you do so they can find out if it's important to know who you are. Yeah. Like, they're not worried about like, oh, so where are you from? What's your name? No, it's kind of like, yo, like, what do you do so I can benefit from it? Figure out Pe- how I can benefit from the situation. Yeah, people all want to benefit from like what you do. And to me, like, that's just wild. And I think it's, I mean, it's real. And I understand that, you know what I mean? Because everyone, everyone's trying to get somewhere nowadays. Like everyone's trying to get a part of, everyone's trying to get a piece of the pie to say now. And and it's just it's just crazy, man. Like it's it's really wild. But back to oh, the like how the brand like recreating pieces and stuff like that and bringing value to them. So when you're starting your clothing brand and you're here in Los Angeles and you were first telling people about it, like how was that for you? And and where'd you go? Were you going to like trade shows in Vegas? What what was that first chapter for you like when you first said, okay, here's my brand, I'm in LA, let's get it rocking. Didn't pass that hump for you. It's hard, man, and it's still hard. Like yep. it's very hard when, especially the culture in LA. So I, when I was in Atlanta, like pushing stuff, like the culture out there is just really warm. It's just different. What well, years were you in Atlanta again? It was six, from, fifteen to from seven. Fifteen to uh, like the end of eighteen. Eighteen. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's a crazy time to be in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, everything was popping off yeah, at that time. That's big in Atlanta. So uh, we were watching everything rise. So when I moved out yeah, here, I haven't been to L.A. 
in years, you know? So coming back, like, I'm like, yo, like, the A is so beautiful, culture, like, love. And I'm watching, you know, everyone on Instagram, and I'm like, oh, everything's popping off in L.A. Like, I need to get back. <laughs> like, I need to get back to L.A. Like, I feel like I'm losing so much. I'm like, yo, round two is killing it. Like, I need to get on Fairfax. I need to get on Melrose. Like, oh, yeah, round two was was and is. Like yeah, and I'm like, and I'm like, yo, that's where I need to be. And I'm like, all right. So I got offered a position to um, just uh, in like an incredible opportunity um, back in Atlanta. But I was battling with a lot of like anxiety and depression. And uh, and like those two words are thrown around like crazy right now. Like people see like a chord and they're like, oh, my God, that gives me anxiety. Yeah. Bro, no, 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 no. Like, you do not understand what it is. And Try having this conversation with an African parent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I tell, like, I would be telling my dad, like, yo, I'm feeling this way. He's like, for what? What do you got to feel that way about? Everything's great. You have a great house. You have a great health and all this stuff. I'm like, I'm like, you're right, man, but I just don't understand it. Like, I don't know. But so moving out here in January – I really got serious about um, like my work. I wouldn't really like to say New Creation is a brand because like I'm not really branding anything. Like I'm kind of just like creating, you know, and, and I don't know at what point you call yourself a brand. Like I don't even know if I have a title like uh, like I'm not a creative director. Like I what am just I create? Yeah, like, like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not in a studio, like, telling people, oh, this piece looks better with this. Like, yo, we need to use, like, this, you know, this thread count here. Like, this color on this fabric. This garment needs to lay like this. And uh, and I don't do that, you know? So, so how did you – so were you feeling anxiety when it came to your IG bio? How was that? Oh, <laughs> mad. So right now it just anxiety. says that – right now it says my mom manages my account. <laughs> Because I literally, bro, I've changed so many times. I was like, am I a grocery store? Am I this? And I says arcade. Arcade. And see, to me, it's wild. Yeah, just whatever. (laughs) To me, it's wild because you can be anything you want to be nowadays. Like a kid from Nebraska, 12 years old, gets an Instagram, can say he's a singer-songwriter, and post whatever the heck he wants he can be anyone Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's like and that's like so moving back out here in january for me which was i really wanted to define who i was as an artist and so i live in temecula california like winchester area near san diego like the middle of yeah the mech yeah 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 yeah. my best friend lives out there oh well there's something maybe good out there so (laughs) i live out there which is like straight suburban people and for Wine me, too, right? yes. And for me, it's hard coming from Atlanta because it's just culture. It's just love. Like, it's different. No one's like under like keeping it real is just black people. And over there is just like suburban white kids, which is great. Like, I have nothing against them. Yeah. But understand me when I'm walking through the mall. Don't look at me like a fool because I'm wearing true camos and an oversized tee and Jordans. Like, don't look at me like I'm you know, from some planet, like who cares? So, um, coming back, I came out to, I bought my sewing machine in February 
And I was like, it's about to be on. <laughs> right. and, it's go time. <laughs> and uh, my girl was like, oh, you need to take a sewing class. I'm like, come on. Like, Joanne's Fabrics has sewing classes. But I'm not about to sit in a room with seven-year-old white women and take a sewing class. She was like, but maybe you need to. I'm like, all right. You're right. I didn't, never took a class, never watched YouTube, nothing. I've watched YouTube how to thread my machine, but I've never watched any videos on how to learn to sew. Um, but I've just went at it and started sewing. So now um, that's like what I love to do is just recreating pieces, sewing pieces. And so I, I was sewing and I'm like, all right, I need to like show my work somehow. I need to get some stuff out there in L.A. And I came out to L.A. a few weekends just running around, like going to shops. I go into Maxfield and wear my pieces um, because Maxfield for me. So how did you, how did you hear about Max? Because just people who don't even. Don't even yeah. Know so Maxfield Gallery for me is like, um, let's see, is like the is like the Warriors for basketball players, like okay. like or like the 96 Bulls. Hey. Like it's like okay. it's like Grail Beyond, like it, because. Everyone wants to go to Maxfield. Like yep. people hear about Barney's and it's like it's like Soho for it's like New York area. Like Melrose is, you know, like Soho for New York. And the shops there you just don't see. Like Maxfield doesn't even have a website for their clothes. So it's all brick and mortar. So for me it's culture, like to go in there. Mm-hmm. Yet the shopping experience is very cold. Like when I walk in I don't always feel welcomed. And uh which is starting to change. Because what do you feel like when you walk in there, though, is it like, oh, man, I feel like I just don't belong. Like you feel like if you're not buying anything, then get out. Uh. And which all roots to like what I'll get to in a minute is like what I've been experiencing and what I feel like I'm supposed to do out of a void and conviction. But um, I just felt like people weren't really open to like my stuff. Like, when I would explain, like, who I was and what I did, they were like, so, wait, you're not curating your own stuff? And I'm like, uh, kind of. And they're like, wait, so you don't have a factory? I'm like, no. They're like, where is your stuff being produced? I'm like, in Paris, out of my studio? Like, I'm buying vintage shirts and just cutting them and sewing them and bleaching. And they're like, that's not right. Like, you can't do that. And I'm like, but I am. And they're like, well you're not really going to be able to get into a store. And I'm like, so I've called shops. Shops won't take me. Like, oh, you need to, you know, produce your own garments. I'm like, but that's not who I am. So um, I was doing a pop-up July 4th or July 6th on Melrose and, like, Beverly Grove area. And I, like, went to – so – well, I was doing it alone. I didn't do it. So I was doing it alone, and I went to, like, local stores, and people were like, uh, bro, you're going to get booted out of here if you try and host a pop-up here. And I went into a 424 in Fairfax, Guillermo shop, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I love Guillermo. However, like, the dudes he has working there, I'm like, nah, like, don't tell me I'm going to get booted out. Like, Guillermo's not even from L.A. Yeah, isn't his little, doesn't his little brother work the shop? Uh, he has long, I don't know who else there has long hair, but he has like long hair, super skinny dude. Uh, there was another homie in there. Um, brother works the shop. I forgot who the dude was, but he told me, and it, it might've been him, but he told me I'm going to get booted. Damn. <laughs> I'm like, why? Like, 
why would why the hell am I gonna get booted off of Fairfax and Melrose? Like, there's people from everywhere. Like, LA is supposed to be the land of opportunity, right? And I'm like, I'm from around here, so what's the difference? But um, people were telling me it wouldn't work, which really shot me down. So I canceled it. Um, I didn't host it like I didn't host the event. So I released, um, I released the line online only, which is the, a collection from above, um, which was like four tees that I've been designing since like March. And then, um, all like the pants and everything else were like one of ones, uh, which I, uh, we launched a celebrity denim like a few weeks after that, which was the so night, um, the clout versus currency. Okay, okay. That was the first time my work has ever been previewed to public. I went up to um, my homie. His name is Krev. His brand is Krev for Cu Cuba. And he was like, uh, I was like, Krev, is this all black event? He was like, yes. I was like, but I'm not black. <laughs> but you family. Yeah. I was like, I there was like. Go. I was like, yeah, I guess I'm black at the core. That's what's up. Go. I'm here, right? So, man, I heard I heard Denzel Washington say this thing that it's not about color, it's about culture. Ooh, you know what I'm saying? It's so important. That's fire. That's real. Cause you have some black people that don't aren't even about the culture, and there's people who are not black who are more more in, about the culture. You know? Yeah, true? no, that is so true. And I was I was blown away, but like the question you were saying, like presenting your work and like kind of like the reactions were that was the main night like where I really discovered like kind of like people people were I felt like people were afraid of my stuff like kind of confused and didn't understand it and which I mean it isn't you know your regular shirt it isn't your regular pair of pants but um, and then like we had the baby doll made into a purse, like a porcelain bag and uh, yeah. And like girls were coming over there like, Oh, that's so scary. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm like, and it was, scary, it, I felt like we didn't, I felt like I didn't fit in there. So when, when I left, it sparked like something in me to push harder. Because I felt like, all right, a few people really mess with my stuff. But at the same time, I feel like people were afraid of it. So how do I explain who we are in a better way? And um, packing up everything. I didn't sell one piece. Packing up everything and, like, carrying all the boxes down and putting them in your car after you've worked hours. I've worked, like, six to eight hours on some pairs of those pants to watch people sift through them in 30 seconds and then dip, I'm like, bro, I've worked on that stuff for hours and your fingers touched it like it was nothing and walked away. And for me, it really made me realize like the consumer needs more understanding of like fashion and art. I got really into like, uh, I released a collection called um, Trust the, like, you know, it was uh, like all about trust the process and just kind of like all this stuff that I was going through because I like to try and create love like a place that I'm operating in. Okay. And so I released this stuff and I made a tea with Ruigi on it and it's called it was called Rude Creation.
was the T. And I've tagged him in it, and I've had over 80 people post it on their story and tag him. And all he does is comment on the picture with two exclamation points. <laughs> like, I'm like, bro, can you be like, yo, fire T, or post it on your story, or give me something. And I love his vision and his heart and, like, his creativity. Like, I respect it. However, I feel like when dudes get to that point, they need to share their advice to dudes coming up. That's what I so if I've DM'd you and you've seen my message, freaking message me back and give me some advice, bro. Like, there's too many dudes. That shit has to change, though. Yes, because, like, how how are we supposed to learn? Like, I'm not going to watch this video of Heron Preston for hours on hours <laughs> and hours. He's not going to tell me exactly what I need to do. All he's telling me is about how he's created. How he uh, yeah, how he did something and met dudes from Soho or or he's done this, or he's done this, like, that's great, bro. But tell me, how can a dude from the middle of nowhere connect with the right people, or is my marketing strategy right? Is this right? Is this correct? And it's like, I don't know. I'm not going to – I sit on YouTube for what? And I listen to podcasts like uh, The Business of Height by Jeff Staple. I'm like, yo, this is great. I found out how um, everyone's on there, like Lorenzo, Jaden Smith, Sean Weatherspoon – um what i never heard about this yet oh dude it is i don't like it's my favorite he's got so many episodes it's called the business of hype okay and so i listen to that to hear how how like people got started and you hear it and it blows your mind um it's incredible to listen like how these dudes got their start and how these women get their start and like even when it comes to fashion like um, there's so many things that like have been bothering me lately. Like when I search up fashion on my phone, it brings up women's fashion. I'm like, no, like I'm looking for a men's boutique. I'm not looking for women's fashion like around here. And I feel like it's so categorized as like, yeah, we're at the point where like Virgil's in house, which is incredible. Yeah. Like Virgil's like the president of fashion right now. If you want to put it <laughs> any other yeah. way, like for sure. And, um, and it's incredible. However, like, I still feel like there's a disconnect between men and fashion um, for women in fashion. I feel like everything, women have, like, all of it. Like, they always, when I walk to the women's section, they have the dopest stuff. They have the dopest sneakers. They have the dopest everything. I feel like men get, are starting to get it now. But I feel like that's why, like, my clothes, like, the things that I make are not men or women. Like, it's... If you want to wear it, wear it. Like, I don't – because, like, we have all these terms like boyfriend jeans. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, those aren't your boyfriend's jeans. Boyfriend pillow. And right. if you're wearing the same size as your boyfriend, he need to eat a little bit. <laughs> so, like, I just feel like like there's such a disconnect. No, and, and yeah. I'm I'm learning about, like, as you guys are talking, I'm like, dang, that's so true. Like – I'm taking and it like likewise too though. We we rarely get these moments where you can sit in a room with people and talk real. Like yep. you walk into and like before like this is over, I just wanna like share like my main vision and my main dream. But like when you walk into a store, like I wanna talk to people that are like me because I don't get to. Like I wanna walk to, I wanna talk to the person that's working that store. 
because I don't find I can't I don't find you on the street. And I want to talk to you because you're like me. You're waiting for what's dropping. You're looking for you're watching what people are dressing like. I'm more concerned about like what you're wearing when you walk into a room than if the AC is on. You know what I mean? Because I want to know who you are by what you wear. I can tell like when I seen you, like when I first met you. Uh, oh, at Shanice's. Yeah, I told my girl like we were looking at everyone in there, and I'm like, bro, there is no one here like us. I was like, we look like straight fools. My girl had, <laughs> my girl's got like a thirty-five piece, like panel dress on that I've made. <laughs> I'm wearing a shirt with. Oh, I was wearing a uh, what shirt I had on? Oh, I had a Hamlet Lang shirt on, but I'm wearing these pants that are look like they've been like a scrapbook, and I'm like, bro, we don't belong here. <laughs> and then I seen you, and I was like. I think when we walk into a space, we gravitate toward people who look like us. Yeah. So that we can become comfortable and learn more about the environment. And and that's what I did when I seen you. That's what I was going to say when I saw and you. And you came I like, up. I was like, oh, cool. We got one who like <laughs> us. Right. I was like, if he's the only person, we good. And that was great for me because, like, you know, we all want to feel accepted and comfortable into an environment. And. And that's something that I've been learning. Like people always tell me like or I've heard um, like uh, have you guys listened to um, uh, Blood Orange? So he just uh, dropped a new project, didn't he? Yeah. He just yeah, dropped yeah. something new. So I love Dev. I heard it, like though. I love all his stuff. And I've heard um, from um, the guys, uh, Ian Isaiah, who does Hood by Air, sings on his whole track. And he said – you know, people tell him that he's doing the most. But when is doing the most bad? He's like, my New Year's resolution is to do the absolute most. Like, yeah, to got be to. the utmost. And you got to. And that's what I realized, like, you know, when I walk in, like, to a space of feeling uncomfortable, I'm going to do the most because that's me. Like, and how do you talk about yourself without being yeah, prideful? That's a, that's a tough one for me, man. When people ask that's me tough. what I'm good at, I'm like... Uh, <laughs> bro, I don't know. Like, I have no idea. Like, yeah, because you don't want to seem Tell too me your prideful and your weaknesses, shit like that. Yeah, like, like you, yeah, uh, this is my weakness right here. Like, I ain't trying <laughs> to talk about this. So. so, do you try to, um, so what at this point right now, right? So, what's your daily maintenance in terms of motivating yourself to keep going? Because I know for me, like, I meditate twice a day. You know, I indulge in cannabis. I, I work out. I try to eat right and try to do all these things to optimize shit. Really, my mental health. Yeah. As well as you know my my actual body. So, what, like, what do you do as an entrepreneur? Because I know it's tough. I know that shit's tough. So, what do you do? Do you is there any books that you read to keep going? I know you told me about the podcast earlier. Yeah, business of hype. I listen to that, but um, I think that's. I mean, that's true. Like physical health definitely reflects like. You know, you're emotional and spiritual if you're physically healthy. But is there anything personal to you? Like, that do you, do you Personally, call your mom yeah. every morning before? Like, is, what's, what's particular to you? Yeah. Um, so first thing in the morning, the saying that I've heard um, years ago that I still try. And, you know, I don't hit every day, but um, I try and, like, let my knees hit the floor before my feet do. So when I get out of bed, straight to my knees, and I try and just pray. 
and kind of just, you know, give the Lord my day, like, and tell him, because in the, in reality, it's not mine at the beginning of it. Um, but I try and tell him like, yo, this is yours, whatever you want to do, like, let's get it. Like, uh, I'm open for anything. And, you know, I'm not like, oh, our father out in heaven. I'm like, I wake up and I'm like, yo, what's good, Lord? Like, I love you. Uh, I'm thankful. Like, um, I appreciate you. And, you know, thank you for like waking me up healthy. Like, Word. let's get this bread today. Like, bring me some people, like create me an opportunity where I can glorify you. I want to honor you today. So like present moments for me where I'm tested, where I'm challenged and watch me succeed. And, you know, it's and that, different. And that, every help, day. that helps you, though. Yeah. And it's you. different every day. You know, uh, it depends on how I wake up, um, what I'm feeling that day of, you know, praying. But um, I listen to uh, worship music every morning when I get up. Um, yeah. So my daily routine um yeah, so I'll listen to, um, or, you know, like, for me, like, Christian music is, bro, it's kind of boring on the real. Like, I love God. Like, I love. Uh-oh, Ruth, are you, you hear this, Ruth? <laughs> but, I mean, uh-oh. but, I mean, I mean, it's kind of boring. Like, if, and, yeah, so, if, oh, okay, if I put on, if I put on the fish, I'm like, Bro, when I'm riding in my car, I'm not listening to Christian music. It's mad. Like, I cannot get hyped to this. <laughs> like, I cannot. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm about to go today. Like, it's about to be crazy. I'm not putting on Hillsong. Like, I'm not listening to. Put some Jeezy on. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm trying to listen to Tyler, the creator. Or, like, I'm trying to listen to Frank when I'm trying to get in my feelings. Like, and that's just it, man. Like, what I've realized is if I'm spending time with the Lord and honoring him, like, that's that's what matters. So I'll listen to Frank even when I'm journaling, like when I'm journaling about like and that's stuff that eases my mind too. like I'll journal and yeah. it's just kind of my prayer to the Lord, because sometimes I don't have the words. However, I can write a story to this dude. Yep. And and for me, it's just finding something different. Um, a goal for me every day is 10 minutes in prayer, 10 minutes in my word every day, five days. If I can do five out of seven, I win. Like, I'm not going to hit seven out of seven every day. And if I set up for seven and I miss a day, then I feel like I failed. And I don't need to, like, handle that. I cannot handle, like, the emotions of feeling like I failed. I don't need to. So I set myself up for success in that way. And that's something that the lady that I trained with, Jeannie Mayo, like, taught me. Ten minutes in your word, ten minutes in prayer, ten and ten. And that's kind of, like, what I love to teach youth is ten and ten because it's easy, you know, and... You can take 20 minutes out of your day. If you need to be up by 5.30, you get up at 5.10. You got 20 minutes to get, you know, to get that bread in. And that's kind of, that's like the biggest thing for success. Um, hopefully coming soon. The goal is to have our own shop um, where, you know, we, we sell other people's stuff as well. But we take in local designers mainly. Uh, young kids like me trying to make it happen, but no one's giving them opportunity. You know, you only have five shirts, bring them in. And if they sell, make more and I'll sell them like let's figure it out. Um, and then on Sundays, we want to operate as a church. So we'll have a full Sunday service while you're sitting around Margella, Hamlet, Lang, Off-White, Balenciaga. Like, you know, we want to just we want to keep it in the streets and have a barbecue every Sunday.
Okay. For the, everyone in the community. That sounds dope. Um, so we're just trying to take care of people, man, and it's a lot harder than you think. So, but yeah, hit me up. Let me know. So it's uh, socials. Do your socials one more time. Socials and websites. Uh, social time. media. Personal is LG2391. And then for our art page is New Creation, N-E-W-W Creation. Um, and then our website, you can get our website from our Instagrams, but it's a uh, new creation forward slash big cartel dot com. Uh, we have our own ins- website as well, which is new creation five one seven dot com. Um, Got there, you. Uh, hit me up. We're trying to do some crazy things with the website. So let me know. Appreciate it. Lukey, appreciate it, bro. Thanks for pulling hey, up, man. Appreciate you, man. Thanks so bro. much. My big brother was. And there you have it, guys. If you like this episode and you lasted this long, hit us up on Instagram at the good people. T-H-E-G-O-O-D-P-E-P-L-E. Share the episode, share the energy. Let everyone know that you're listening. We're really excited about the conversations that we've had and that we're gonna have this upcoming year. We're really taking our brand into more audio version so we're really excited to share these stories with you guys so i can't thank you guys enough for growing with us on the site hopefully growing with us here too on brotherly we have a site redo coming up uh, finally so look out for that as well yeah guys just share uh, we have some great stuff coming for you guys some great content some great people sharing some great advice business wise we have chefs we have designers we have entrepreneurs so yeah, all across the board we even have some politicians on here so Yeah, looking forward to it, guys. Share, like, appreciate it. Peace.